Alibab Howdy, and welcome to Ernest Goes to Podcast, Ernest Extra number 16, even more Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. This is Aaron. That's David. You're correct. I am David. And we are back. To We're talk back. Even more and speculate even more about one of the most amazing 80s films ever made. Yeah, I'm comfortable with that title. After our last episode's very illuminating and enjoyable discussion, we were left with loads of questions as to the, the true nature of Ernest. Sure. And the 80s. <laughs> the true nature of the 80s, yeah. We were left with joy. We were left with the determination to screen this movie in New York City one day. Yes, even if it's just for a few people. The people yeah. need to know about oh, Dr. Yeah. Otto. Oh, New Yorkers and... will definitely come yeah, to this, yeah. this insanity. We have a lot of things to tackle. I see you have a very long list. I do. What should we tackle first? Well, perhaps my favorite of the headcanons that I've gleaned from Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam is I have a theory that Doris, uh-huh. our favorite, uh, Jackie Welsh. She's amazing. Um, I have a theory that she gets married later and becomes Mrs. Simon Simmons. No! And that's why, I can't remember which episode of Hey Vern, It's Ernest it is, but it's where she's looking at the Dr. Otto costume and she's like, this is only appropriate at a trash fire or a dog fight. It must be clothes, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, oh. did she marry someone named Simon Simmons? And then- oh. No, but that she doesn't act like Doris at all. Maybe she's that was way how... too dainty. Sure, I think it's possible. I think Doris went on to bigger and better things. That's fair. She's I mean, fighting crime. Yeah. Only, let me say this: I wouldn't be surprised if Mrs. Simon Simmons was Doris. Maybe she's related. Oh, oh, like, this is interesting. And then Doris sent Wait a bunch a second. of photos. It was Wait like, a second, this weirdo. Are all the Jackie Welsh <laughs> characters related? <laughs> Because so that'd like, be incredible. There's at least a couple in like government or law enforcement. So like Doris has a sister that's a judge. Oh, yeah. And someone who's... This is going even better than I could have imagined. And someone who's an animal control yep. person. Yep. Ooh, I would love all the Jackie Welches to be related. Well, we love I Jackie Welch. I think Doris Welch. is my favorite. Yeah, I my agree favorite with that. Jackie I mean, it's, it's, her, it's her like strongest role. Yeah, well, the, that's uh, true. Yes, yes. Of all the brain trust uh, productions. Who's in Scared Stupid? She's Mrs. <laughs> Teacher Jackie Welch. Yeah. <laughs> we, Mrs. Johnson. Yeah, she is great. We love Jackie Welch. Yeah. Gosh. I read, I think I read on IMDb that she spent some time as a life coach. Wow. I would love Jackie Welch to be my oh, life yeah. coach. Well, just now I'm just like, picturing Tell his... me all about Jim Barney. <laughs> what would he do? <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, what are some of the other uh, behind-the-scenes things that you got? Well, I mean, as we discussed with Jessica in our full episode, there is not much about this movie that we could find, or I that I could find. I feel like the fact that there's not much behind-the-scenes about this film is part of why I'm not quite 100% obsessed with the film, because usually right. when I get super into a film, I'm like, you want to I need to read and all watch the all, the of the, stuff. all of the, every featurette, um, yep. but there is... There's, there's nothing. Yeah. That's what's so sad is that, yeah, we can't be as obsessed as we want to be. Correct. Because we Correct. don't have all that information to process. Consume, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Consume is a good word. Like, that's. Yeah, that's I'm what we want to do. We just want to devour it. it. Yeah. yeah. And we can't. Like the dump. You know? But uh, one of our listeners, Daniel Boatsman, yeah. he actually has a page from one of the original versions of the script. Yeah, it's like a neat little bit of memorabilia. It's a page of the script, the corresponding storyboards, which seem. You can see the progression from script to storyboard, which yeah. is interesting. And then in the middle, there's like a neat painted kind of poster of uh, yeah, of the Dr. Really Otto cool face. painted poster, Dr. Otto. But it says Baja. Or I don't know if it says Baja or Baja. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I have lots of questions about this myself because why does it say 
it says like filmed in true dimension, like T R U dash D dimension. And I'm like, what? So you shot real things? Is that what does that what does that mean? <laughs> it means that while you're watching the movie, Jim Barney jumps out and yells "blah." Well, I mean, you know, in the way that it's got that fun like. Saturday. It's like a 1960s kind of like Scarovision. It, it, it makes me think of Matinee. Have you seen Matinee? No. Oh, Matinee is basically a love letter from my favorite Joe Dante uh, uh-huh. to 1960s gimmicky yeah, science yeah, fiction. Yeah. There's a film called Mant, which is a half man, half <laughs> ant. Of course. And I, th- I believe the, the process there is Atomovision, which is basically- What is that? It's buzzers in the seats. Um, oh, okay. Spray in the audience. That's not like vision. A guy in an ant suit running through the crowd, okay. that kind of a thing. That, well, I wonder. So that's what True Dimension, you know, I can't. If we screen Dr. Otto, we should screen it in True Dimension. We should figure oh, out what that that's is. That's the only way to do and it. And then man. do it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he the stuff he has is, it's a storyboard page by John Cherry and then original version of the script. And it looks like a deleted scene. Like they're at some party. Yeah, it's like a dance. Lance and a character named Buffy who might be Tina in yeah. an earlier version that's what we thought yeah Rhonda sue and willie yep they're all at this party and there's a character named everett everett puckett yeah everett puckett and, and we will never know who that is well never say never aaron i'm assuming that it was a character that was just cut out yeah I'm, or, or it could be the alternate of name of someone else yeah it could be um one of jim varney's stand-up characters blind lemon pledge appears to be in that scene yes although they're only alluded to by name and not... blind lemon pledge was uh one of jim varney's stand-up characters who's a blues singer that is blind and they call him <laughs> blind lemon pledge see the reason that they call me Blind Lemon Pledge is because I can't see nothing. Never could. You can see more of Blind Lemon Pledge in Jim Barney's Vegas stand-up show, which you can find if you want to. Ah. So that is very cool. Uh, we will have to share that yeah. with the Facebooks. Thanks, Daniel. Oh, by the way, Daniel was an extra on... I think he was zombie number three. <laughs> yeah, Daniel was an extra on the sci-fi show Z Nation. Yeah. Uh, we have to check it out. Everyone should check it out. Oh, yeah. That's freaking awesome. Man. Yes. The least we can do for forwarding us some sweet... Hell uh, yeah. ...behind the scenes of Dr. Otto is to plug a thing that you have yeah. ex- extraed in. Watch Z Nation. So try to spot Daniel Boatsman. That's pretty kudos cool. Kudos to you, Mr. Boatsman. I'm not in a zombie extra in anything. And same. You know, uh, one of our other listeners, Louis Nira, is working on the Dr. Otto IMDb page. Oh, yeah. Like we said, we haven't found much behind the scenesy stuff, but if anyone does... I think it should forward it to Louis Nira since he is going to be adding things to the IMDb page. Yes, he actually made a post on our Facebook page about it as a call for uh, whatever information you guys have got. We so. should repost that. Yeah. People which... should contribute to that. Have you got anything else? Um, you got this look on your face like you may have something. Well, have you found something? N- so speaking of uh, IMDb, there you know there isn't a lot in terms of behind the scenes stuff. No, but there are uh, some very interesting uh, reviews of the oh, film. Okay, that I would love to just read some excerpts of. We've if... never read reviews. We haven't on this podcast. Uh, but I was like so grasping at straws for anything about this film. I was just kind of like, what do other people who like this film have to say about it? I'd We're... like to know what people who hate this film have to say. about Oh, really? Because I'd like to know their addresses. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm um, just saying all right what, what do you we got? this you know ernest goes to podcast is a bastion of positivity you're right in in the ernest tradition mm-hmm. so so i'm just going to read a couple of excerpts that i liked um this is from spiff 42 in 2002 and he says or she a dark comedy a twist that is somewhere between ernest and tim burton okay very cheaply made but well done hmm. surrealistic plot with very cool characters made especially by the man Jim Varney. Heck yeah! This movie is like watching a dream and then waking up not having any idea what to think. 
What a great flick. <laughs> it is like some kind of fever dream. <laughs> That's great. This is uh, this is another enjoyable one, and I'll just read some of uh, the most enjoyable parts. This is from Blue Dragon 2999. Blue Dragon says, I first saw this movie when I was very young. Oh. I loved Jim Varney and Ernest at the time, and still do. And having recently come across this movie again, I must say, the plot is strange and only mildly existing. <laughs> it's and, and the hero is a bumbling fool who is not earnest. But all that being said, I really like the movie. Dr. Otto is an over-the-top villain, and it's worth watching just for him. And the thing that you will find if you like the movie is that you are rooting for him. Heck yes! Yeah. So that was a uh, a similar revelation, I guess. To... I find that a lot of Ernest fans cannot stand Lance Sterling, which, again, I find very fascinating because they are so similar in the way we've discussed. They yeah, are similar yeah. in speech. Yep. Their dialogue on paper is like interchangeable, but Ernest's background is so different from Lance that it gets transformed into something positive or something admirable. Here's another uh, excerpt from another review. He, he being Jim Varney, is brilliant as he throws himself into these wild, wacky characters. Think of it as a bunch of 10 to 20 minute short films, each with a different lead character by Varney, and each around a central theme that were spliced together, fairly self-contained. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it makes That's sense. That's basically what we said. Like, yeah. it, we said that structurally, it's pretty similar to Family Album. There's like these different set pieces, different characters. They are held together by a premise. In Family Album, the premise is Ernest is telling you about different family matter, <laughs> family matters, family members. It's a rare condition, <laughs> And then in Otto, Doris and Lance are going from set location to set location, being harassed by Dr. Otto, who's changed into a different person sure. at each stop. One of the words that I felt like was apt and kept coming up in a bunch of these reviews that I was reading uh, was the word surreal. I was going to say, ask surrealism. if it was surreal. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. it's like, I don't know why we didn't think of it, but it's a very oh, yeah, accurate. No, it is. I love it. It's like the fever dream. Like that you, you wake watched, up from and you're like, what happened? You watched a bunch of <laughs> 80s ads that had all, like a bunch of robots and consumerism. And I mean, then you're describing my life. You you went to bed with a fever and you dreamed Dr. Otto. Yeah, this whole movie. You watched yeah. some Power Rangers too. And <laughs> well, there is an ad that you love that oh, yeah. the Dr. Otto theme music reminds us of right, so, very vividly. So the first time I watched this with Aaron, the music that plays when Dr. Otto's lights come up after he so shows his- So like- dun, 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 it's an accurate recreation of it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Cutting together all the little pieces of the Dr. Otto music just so I could have a piece long enough for our intro is like the yeah. best thing ever. Um, it was fun. So that immediately made me think of this old Hawaiian Punch commercial that had music by... Mm. So there's a couple of things here. So this old Hawaiian Punch commercial has music by Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo. Okay. And we can play a clip of that or whatever. You can hear the comparison or whatnot. Listen to it. So we've talked about how the Hey Vern, it's Ernest theme kind of sounds like low budge Pee-wee. Oh. And then Mark Mothersbaugh did the music for Pee-wee's Playhouse. So there's there's something 80s y and like weird and a word that Jessica used a lot when we were discussing actually was subversive. Yes. And I feel like that vibe gels with that. This is a uniquely 80s movie. That there is an 80s vibe. All this stuff floating around in the, let's say, collective conscious. 
just this in the 80s, which is like synth music, and then there's robots, electricity, glowing neon new, lights, new technology that seems futuristic, lights equaling the future, and then vibes of anti consumerism, sure. anti capitalism, anti establishment, yeah. subverting those things. That I think is where the subversiveness comes from. It's right. like a response to the cultural atmosphere at the time. Well, sure, because that's like the you know Reaganomics era. Yeah. The dawn of the yuppie, as I said. And, and so like it's that. a backlash to that. So I think sure. that is probably that it was what Pee Wee was kind of subverting. That's oh, what yeah. Dr. Otto was subverting. And then the music that was, you know, it's kind of the music of the time. The music of the time, and and yeah, the, and then that the the Hawaiian Punch commercial. It's a bunch of robots in a factory dancing to this music, right? And then all these people in like futuristic costumes that are, you know, eighties version of futuristic. You like, have to like, see them to believe them, but it's basically somebody like, has a guitar that is a two. It's it's basically like a, a fluorescent light guitar. <laughs> it's incredible. So you have to watch this if you love Doctor Otto, you will probably love this commercial so we have to share the link to that yeah and actually the person that posted this commercial to youtube uh-huh. when we talked about dr otto we talked about whether it could be described as 80s heaven or 80s hell well i think we it is 80s heaven oh yeah absolutely but so the description for this hawaiian punch commercial on youtube the uploader said something to the effect of if the pop culture of the entire 1980s the music the visuals the fashions the hair could all be distilled into just a minute and a half. <laughs> this is the closest you'll find. I think that's maybe that is another thing that that commercial and Dr. Otto have in common. Yeah. There is a distillation, that's a great word, yeah. of all these 80s like ideas. Ideas being um condensed into this one piece. But then, you know, with Dr. Otto, it's also like all these pulp adventure yep. films that people have watched and then horror movies. Oh, it's so horrorish, yeah. We couldn't get that far into it, but we were discussing afterward There's at- a limit to what we can talk yeah, we about. We were discussing after our record of Dr. Otto how if you're going to make a low budget movie horror is a good genre to go to because our guest Jessica said like basically all you need is like fake blood and you know some lights and set it in dark spaces and yep. you just kind of need a villain. Yep. And, uh, and then there's all these practical effects yep. but we were saying like Practical effects work great in horror movies because you want it to seem like it's really there. You want it to feel real and tangible because that makes it scarier. Yeah, and if the lighting is dingy or the sets are kind of like Uh, broken down mm -hmm. and like everything's kind of grainy, like it just makes it work so much better. Yeah, and that's kind of how Dr. Otto is like, I don't want to say it's cheaply made because that implies that it doesn't look good. I will say that it looks very low budget, yeah. but it looks great. Like yeah. by that, I mean, it looks resourceful. It looks like they were extremely creative with the resources they did have, the way they built the sets, the way they built their costumes. Like every- Absolutely. So I think that is, I think, something that kind of feels uniquely 80s to me too. I have some things to say about that. Uh, I agree with you on all counts. However... Some other people do not agree with you. For example, the author of this article from the Dallas Morning News on July 7th, 1985. You found something, boy? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, okay. Okay, so what you got? So this is an article entitled, Ernest P. Gets Rich with Vern. Okay, so go back. So this is an article from the Dallas what? The Dallas Morning News. Dallas Morning News. Okay, we got an article. By Robert Tomshow. Robert Tomshow. What you got? So this is an article. It's basically this guy goes to uh, the Ernest set to try to interview Jim Varney and whatnot. Oh, like Um, Ernest ads. Yeah, but there is some allusions to Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam specifically that I will read out. Yes. Um, So first I'm going to say this guy does not really seem like, he seems like it's a hassle for him to be here. What does he say? He says, 
says, I have come to Nashville to yuck it up with Ernest P. Worrell. Know what I mean? But it's 9 a.m. I'm here at the rendezvous and there's no sign of him. It is Jim Barney. I'll just skip ahead a little bit. The place is crawling with snarling women and sullen, unshaven men. Jeez. They're here to shoot commercials. Some of them are scary. Especially. (laughs) Okay, hold on. (laughs) Back up a second. So all this guy has done is walk in and sit down, basically? Seems that way. Okay. (laughs) And he's upset. He's scary, At the people that are doing their jobs. Yes. Okay, continue. Uh, Especially John Cherry. The pudgy guy chomping jelly rolls. He's supposedly a good buddy of Ernest P. Worrell, who in real life is an actor named Jim Varney. But Worrell is a funny, lovable sort, and this cherry character's laugh is a warped blend of Eddie Haskell and Boris Karloff. What's this guy's problem? I have no idea. <laughs> it's just like, like he showed up he trying just, to start something. <laughs> he, so he what was this all about? He doesn't like the women that are snarling. Yeah. The men are sullen and unshaven. And Which the is apparently a problem. <laughs> and the pudgy director laughs like he's, Boris Karloff. Shows up like, like crapping what's on wrong, everybody. Man, come on, You're making earnest ads. But I'll skip ahead some more to the, right. the Doctor Otto specific okay. part. Okay, maybe he'll love that. Cherry looks innocent enough in his polo shirt and jeans, but I can see what he has been up to. His latest brainchild is spread all over the little TV screen he's watching in his dining room. Doctor Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Bee. <laughs> yeah. That's the bargain basement movie Cherry will unleash on the world this summer with a premiere in Dallas and a few other cities. Okay. This demented comedy features, quote, hench wenches, garbage bag monsters, a daycare center for mercenaries, and a happy face robot named Slave Willie. That's accurate. The star is Dr. Otto, a devious villain with a Transylvanian accent and a hand growing out the top of his skull. The fingers tippity-tap across his forehead when he talks, which is why Cherry is chortling through his pastry this morning. But the thing that really twists... People who enjoy pastries are just the worst. Am I right? How dare. (laughs) But the thing that really twists my mind is who Buster got to play Dr. Otto. It's Ernest P., the same guy you've seen on television telling you to watch WCIX Channel 6, selling ice cream, cars, and cleanup campaigns. Who else? And talking nonstop to someone named Hayvern. Um... So does he like Dr. Otto? It seems like he's 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 judging by the little clips he's watching John Cherry watch. Yeah. Unclear? What else do they say? Oh, Varney says playing the same character again and again doesn't drive him crazy. Ernest is a lovable sort, he says, <laughs> sure. the kind of person most people know. And, and besides, he adds, anything is better than Hollywood. Ooh. Quote, it's like Oz and the wizard ain't home, he says. That is such a Varney quote. Like, <laughs> it's like Oz and the wizard ain't home. Hollywood is a place Whoa. where everything begins, but nothing originates. <laughs> it's this big... Whoa! It's I'm this... sorry, Jim Varney is <laughs> saying some stuff right now. <laughs> Jim Varney is preaching right now. Continue. Dropping, dropping truth bombs. <laughs> it's this big bunch of egos slamming into each other. Ooh. So for now, with the help of the money Ernest is earning, Varney and his cohort Cherry are waging a guerrilla war on the entertainment establishment. Whoa. From their base in Nashville, they are making and distributing movies and commercials and generally doing things the way the industry says are not supposed to be done. You know what Ernest ads are? Anti-establishment. Yeah. Uh, this is another Jim Varney quote. Oh, gosh. Uh, We're really curious to see if we can do it, Varney says. <laughs> we'll take a dare. That's cute. The most immediate challenge is getting the public to accept Dr. Otto, who is as weird as Ernest is lovable. Ah. This is my favorite part. Oh, God. It's been so good already. Go. Cherry, seated across the room, unleashes one of his Haskell Karloff snickers. 
quote, we're already planning a sequel, he says. It is about Dr. Otto's encounter with an overweight gospel singing motorcycle gang. What? <laughs> as, <laughs> what? A, as Cherry is explaining the plot, his publicist comes in and begs him not to tell me the working title. <laughs> but Cherry can't resist. Dr. Otto and the song of the tarantula women, he says, still chuckling. <laughs> oh, man. We was robbed. Yeah, even though... Why don't we have... Even Dr. Though, Otto and the Song of the Tarantula. I don't, I don't know how on board we'd be with a gospel singing motorcycle game. I mean, you know, well, that could, it could work. It could work. It could work. This is not yet the Ernest Analogs episode, but there's another thing where a motorcycle gang shows up, and it's called Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, motorcycle gangs is a thing in the 80s, no? You got Streets of yep, Fire. Yep, um, yep. Maybe I ran out after Streets of Fire. No, I, I know what you're talking about, though. Give me a sec. Um, um, I mean, this is just on the cusp of the 80s, but Erie, Indiana has, like, a weird motorcycle gang that's, like, there for an episode. Definitely weird-themed gangs. Yeah. For sure, it was an 80s thing. Yeah. <laughs> the theme gang, which I don't know what gangs the do theme. anymore. Well, I mean, the Let's war- have a theme. We should all be baseball players. The Warriors is exactly yeah. <laughs> that. I mean, and that might be 79. I can't remember. It might be just on the cusp of the 80s, but yeah. That sounds awesome. So, of course, I guess the public did not accept Dr. Otto. It I seems mean, that way. I, I'm sure most people didn't see it. From John Cherry's memoirs, he said that he went from theater to the theater trying to convince people to screen it. Yeah. And I'm sure for not very long. Sure. You know? So, most and people I'll... didn't see it. And things don't really become cult until, like, years later. People are like, ooh, the distance adds appreciation. And plus, this is the 80s where there's no internet. Things couldn't go viral. Yeah, you can't go viral. Like, it's not like Ernest where it's, like, a short, digestible thing that can be seen mm-hmm. in multiple markets over and over. You got to stick this movie out and then you have to, you got to be willing to give this movie a chance and it's not going to resonate with everyone. I was just going to say like, we both love Dr. Otto, the film. I would definitely classify it as, let's say, an acquired taste. Yes. Like, I, I would not say this film is for everybody. No. But I, I do genuinely believe that it deserves more of an audience I mean, than it has. I mean, for the people that it is for, yeah. it's a wonderful experience. Sure. And I'm glad that even though he seems to have a dislike of all people everywhere, I'm glad that uh, <laughs> Robert Tom Show could bring us a little bit more yeah. insight into the uh, into the the makings I'm of Dr. Like, Otto. like, what's your problem? But yeah, I appreciate yeah. that insight. Yeah. I mean, we just watched it again. Yep. And we were, again, like entranced in finding new things. Oh! Oh, oh. What new thing did we... Okay, we found a few new things, I suppose. My favorite thing that we noticed is there's a scene uh-huh. in Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloombeam where little Tina Nelson from White Plains is hanging off a cliff okay, attached to a door. I, okay, this is the thing I... Okay, about. good. Uh, Doris and Lance uh-huh. are intrepid heroes. They're running towards our Putting trying to Doris save her. first because, correct, mm-hmm. they're trying to save Tina. And as they are uh, scaling the cliffside, Tina is lamenting her her lot in life, mm-hmm. and um, she says something about how she'll never get to be a nurse. Yes. Now I'll never be a nurse. A nurse? Oh, that is a noble goal. And that's when Dopey Lance pops his head up and is like, Oh, that's a noble profession for a woman and well-suited to a woman's natural abilities or something to yeah, that effect. natural tendencies to, like, make soup and, and change, change bed dirty linens. linens. Yeah, yeah, change dirty Shut linens. Shut up, Lance. That's not a natural tendency of mine. I wish it was. But so what we noticed on this watch through was basically that kicks off a, let's say... Sort of a rant. Earnest-like monologue. It is a little ranty, but it's... Lance just starts going off on this tangent he's about... He's talking to no one. Yeah. And but he's he... talking to Tina, but she's kind of distracted. 
connected. It, it turned, I don't even know that he's talking to Tina. He's just. I mean, of, he starts. Yeah, he starts going he's off. He's talking on his to own anyone thing. who will listen. Yeah. He's just like, oh, poor Lance. He has had the hardest life. I think we can agree of anyone in this film. So what he says is like, so I can tell by you saying that that you're a good girl. The fact that she wants to be a nurse means she's a good girl. He Which, says, I can tell. Questionable. You're a good girl. Not like Charlotte, yep. who couldn't be satisfied with a law practice. She had to go into politics. Yep. And then he says, I should be a senator by now. Yep. If only it weren't for that debate. I should be a senator today. And then for that debate. Yep. Okay, so we never noticed him saying that before. In Let- our defense, there's like a bunch of like nonsense <laughs> sound effects. And yeah. yeah, all over it. But we finally picked that out. I was like, okay, we talked about Lance not having gotten the Senate seat that he wanted. And that's like his big regret now in Now we're bringing more interesting stuff to this. Apparently an ex-girlfriend of his, possi- very possibly an ex-girlfriend that's, of his. That's the insinuation, yeah. Was competing with him for the Senate seat and beat him. That's what I got too. That's yep. what I got from it. So that sheds more light, I think, on Lance's condescending and like somewhat resentful attitude towards women. Oh, yeah. That comes out in his treatment of Doris. Like, whenever Doris is doing something, whenever she's trying to get something done, he's just like, oh, Doris, you're just like. You know, now that you mention it, the lead into that scene when he's at the bottom of the hill, Doris runs off first to save Tina. And he says, you only think of yourself or something. He says, you only think of yourself. And then he says something to the effect of, Typical of too many women who... Typical of too many women who, like, they try to make their way into the real world and then they crumble at the first sign of trouble. Doris is the hero of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about, Lance? No, he's got a thing with women displaying... He's, like, super insecure. He's super insecure and he really hates it when a woman shows that she's more competent at what he's trying to do than he is. Correct. Which is what happened with Charlotte and the Senate seat. Correct. And which is now have happening with Doris and the rescue yep. and he likes Tina because she is vulnerable and needs him and she is not competing with him at all or making him feel inadequate or anything and what's hilarious about that is I think the way that Tina is secret smart mm. means that if Tina and Lance like got together <laughs> that would eventually it would happen all over that again would hap- that would come out it eventually would, yep, yep. she'd turn into a, like a physicist oh my god and yeah. he'd be like no and- yep. And the relationship with it happened again. <laughs> well, yeah, that's I, kind of incredible. Isn't that weird? I think maybe there's a part of him that is really attracted to like strong, intelligent women. I get but it. But then he can't handle yeah. the feelings of inadequacy that come with sure. it. Sure. Ooh. <laughs> we yeah. got all that from a, a little rant. So this is Dr. Otto and the riddle of the gloom bee. <laughs> we got bee. that from a 10 second rant in a movie. But that totally informs his character. Like, yeah, that goes completely with his character. Absolutely. I mean, this was another thing that came up about Lance's character in our rewatch. You've talked before about when we watch Ernest films and people around Ernest kind of describe things. There's specific instances where you'll say, I feel like Ernest just told them that. Like the Daredevil training camp. Like, oh yeah. Like, oh yeah, on Splash Mountain, they're like, like yeah. The Ver- correspondents are all talking about it very like professionally. And you're like, no, I feel like Ernest just told them that was the case. Well, like his his friend Vern's training facility. like right. Which obviously is not the, a training backyard facility. backyard tire swing. But Ernest told them that it was. Right. So I feel like there's almost, I imagine, an element of that to Lance. Mm-hmm. Where like the bank president at Speedy Buck introduces Lance as... Quote, a man who has made it his life's work to stop this prophet of doom. 
referring to Otto as the prophet of doom. Yes, the prophet of doom being Otto. And I feel like, I don't know if it's something that Lance told them, but I almost feel like Lance was like, oh, I can help you guys. Like, I know, I've known Otto for a long time. I've fought Otto before. Yeah, we've had our our disagreements. And what he meant is like a high school science fair. Yes, where he did not, (laughs) he made the least. Where he didn't beat him at all. I think we can agree that was the least scientific of all. Like, some of those are not science at all. His is the least scientific. And I almost feel like I can imagine a scenario where, again, in a very earnesty way, the bank president was like, oh, you've spent your whole life uh, dealing with this guy, right? And Lance was just like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, I have. Definitely, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) that's, I think, there's constant insight into Lance's. Well, again, Lance and Ernest have this in common, the the tendency to... Embellish? The tendency to embellish, but the the tendency to mythologize themselves. Is mythologize a word? But to concoct this mythology around their entire person. They sort of perpetuate their own lore. Yeah, exactly. Ernest does that, and Lance does that. I had the first two of them cornered or whatever, and then the others joined in. Yeah, and back when I was at NASCAR and Earl Dale Earnhardt cut me off. He really is Pop's grandson. (laughs) Well, yeah, they both have the tendency to like tell tall all tales about themselves they make themselves into these like larger than life um, figures yeah like um these like a johnny appleseed absolutely yeah like a folk hero that's what i'm saying yeah and it's weird because like in a lot of ways i think you could characterize Ernest as a folk hero of course but not within the world of the Ernest films like in our world world. in our world (laughs) Ernest is a folk hero Hence podcast, but in the world of the films, he has to sort of like overstate that to help his own ego and make him feel like he has a purpose and to, I think to a degree. This is something that probably we can get into later when we devote an episode to Jim Varney himself. Yeah. But I feel like he kind of has that in common with Jim Varney too. Not that Jim Varney talked himself up to that degree, but that Jim Varney's life also kind of has that folk story feel sure, to me sure. like when I read about his life and the people he spent time with especially like yeah. all these characters and then Jim Barney being kind of a character himself sure it has the same feeling of like a like a larger than life figure yeah oh, modern day folk heroes eh American icon there's like a comedy Bob Dylan know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh, uh. good one uh, you know what we really have to talk about? What do we have to talk about? Is Ernest Otto or not? Oh, geez. Yeah. That's uh, the big question, man. Yeah. So That's I've the $10,000 question. I've thought more about this. Uh, have you? Not really, because it hurts <laughs> my brain to think about. So um, what does your heart tell you? I mean, <laughs> is Otto... Yes. Is Ernest Otto? That's the question. Is Ernest Otto? Um, I don't think so. Interesting. I think Ernest is his own thing. I think if we return again to my very apt and intellectual analogy of comparing Dr. Otto to any of the Animorphs characters, okay, I think we could say that Dr. Otto acquired Ernest as a character and has the ability to transform into him, but is not, I don't think he became So you think Ernest. Dr. Otto's characters are people that he is either mimicking or has like downloaded somehow? Yes, downloaded I think makes sense. Like because- they pulled Ernest into the changing coffin, downloaded his person and then came out as him and like you got it interesting okay but everyone else feels like a fake person like Rudd Hardtack and then the pirate guy sure and Guy Dandy seems like he's made up Ernest is the most real person I w- and I, w- I have the tendency to ask like is that because we know Ernest that's and he's exactly real to what us? I was gonna say 
But I don't think it is. I think he is actually the most realistic person that Lance and Doris encounter when Otto uses the changing coffin. Like, he doesn't do anything weird he's the le- at all. He's the least bizarre. He just is like, we he's ain't just... got any gas. Sorry, buddy. And they yeah. leave. Like, yeah. nothing happens. That's fair. That's fair. We ain't got petrol. <laughs> no dinero, no petrol. And they, they leave. Yeah. And I think that's because Ernest is real. Yeah. Jessica posed this possibility. Remember that there's no more gas. Right. So what if the changing coffin runs on gas? Oh, dear. Wait. Okay. So he can't use it again to change back. Oh. What if he he used the changing coffin one last time? Turned into Ernest. Turned into Ernest, and he's stuck that way. Kind of like how the TARDIS in Doctor Who is stuck looking like a police, a police box because the chameleon circuit is broken. Or kind of like in the Animorphs books <laughs> where if you stay if you stay morphed as an animal for over two hours, you, you get stay- stuck as the animal really? forever. Yeah. Maybe that's a changing coffin rule. If Maybe. he stays, that could be a rule that if he stays as the character for more than two hours, he stays that character forever. Can we get K.A. Applegate on the phone and just be like, have you seen a film called Dr. Otto? <laughs> Was this the inspiration? You should. <laughs> it's about aliens. That is a thing that happens, right? Like in, in sci-fi, like yeah, the TARDIS and Doctor Who stuck looking like a phone booth, even though it supposedly can change into anything. And then, sure, Animorphs. You yeah. can but. <laughs> And then I think this is what could have happened with Otto. That's where Ernest could come from. He could be Otto stuck that way. You're right. You're right. And there is, you're also right about not only that theory, but also like the tradition in science fiction mm-hmm. of there being like rules and like time limits to transformational things. Yeah. I mean, the DeLorean in Back to the Future, if you don't have the plutonium, the time machine won't work. And if you don't have gas, the DeLorean won't work. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. And they're out of gas. Or even is the whole world. Yeah, you know, I don't know uh Star Trek Deep Space Nine that well, but I'm pretty sure there's a shapeshifter character who's like kind of like stuck Odo? or yeah, isn't he like kind of stuck or like screwed up somehow? Oh maybe. All the Star Trek fans that I are don't our remember. listeners I'm sorry. are uh, guys fill us in on that. I'm a That's, next gen person. Here's my th- current theory. Go for it. I don't think every Ernest is Otto, specifically the ones without hands on their heads that we see. Sure. Okay, so here's off the top of my head, the lists of Ernest. A hand off the top of your head. That we have seen the top of his head, and there hasn't been a hand, okay? Ernest goes to Camp Ernest. Yep, Christmas. Oh, you're when right. When he's Astro Clement. Yeah, Ernest saves Christmas Ernest, which, thank God, because I love those Ernests. Jail, we see it. Jail. When he does the somersault over the bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernest rides again, Ernest. A scared stupid we don't see the hat off? Maybe not. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> he's the most the most genuine Ernest, and Aaron's heart grew three sizes again. I want to marry him. I know. No, we do not see his head in Scared Stupid, so he can be Otto. Okay, now wait a second. Ernest Scared Stupid Ernest has ancestors that look like him. Oh, thank God. Okay, so he so, can't be uh, he Otto. He can't be Otto. I'm going to say that either. He's not Otto. So, for, so I, far, all the- all The Disney four are not uh, Otto. Thank you, Lord. Okay, um, <laughs> but I actually don't have a problem with Ernest being Otto. I will tell you why. Um, okay, so who's next? Ernest goes to school, Ernest. Oh, I don't sorry, think did we skip rides again. Yeah, we, we, met, oh, we, yeah, we mentioned sorry, Ernest. Sorry, yeah, yeah when we mentioned Ernest rides again already. He is not Otto. Okay, Ernest goes to school, Ernest. I don't believe we ever see him without the hat. We see him in a beret. That could still potentially cover a hand. It could. Yeah. I'm going to say he can be Otto. Okay. 
Slam Dunk Ernest, the hat never comes off. I think you're right. He's probably Otto. <laughs> I think if any Ernest is Dr. Otto, it's probably Slam Dunk Ernest Otto. Wait, why? Because he doesn't seem to have anything grounding him at all. Like, he doesn't talk about family. He purposely keeps the hat on at all times. Like, goes out of his way to keep it on. He doesn't seem to have, like, a background, really. I he mean, seems dropped in. Sure. Rides Again Ernest is a little like that. Yeah, but we see his head. Right, right, right. That's a, one of the factors. No, 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 I understand. And Africa, we see his head. Yep. Army, we see his head. Wow, so not many. Not. Yeah, okay. Okay, so. And yet you think that Ernest could be Otto and you're okay with it for a reason that you were going to explain. I think Ad Ernest is, is Otto. Oh, oh, wait. Do we never see Ad Ernest's head? Not that I can think of. Mm. We see him in a, not racing, usually. a racing helmet. Not usually. Yeah. I, I mean, you could have a surgery Adonis to, to remove that, could be Otto, too. and I think, I mean, he could be. And then I think for the rest of Dr. Otto and the Riddle of Gloombeam, I'm going to say that he's stuck as Ernest, which would be an awesome thing. Yeah. The reason I don't have a problem with it is because I think when he changes into Ernest, like I said, his heart is so pure. Ernest's soul is so pure that, like, it cures he's Otto. intrinsically good. Mm. Ernest is not evil. Right. And we see that because he never does anything malicious to Lance or Doris. Yeah. You know, he just tells them you have gas, which yeah. is true. Yeah. And he smiles at them. He does not try to kill them at that point. He doesn't in the movie. do anything correct. to them. Yeah. No lasers fired. There's no, ma there's no malice there. I mean, he treats them like Vern, sort of. He says, Where have you been? But he's not malicious in any way. What I like about that is that it gives Ernest this, like, dark past but it's mm. kind of nice because it contrasts how good he is now and like there's a line that lance says to tina when she's saying that she's killed people he says something like we all have things in our past that we're not proud of i think it adds character mm. so that's what i think about Ernest being Otto. he is good now and his auto horrible evil past just adds character to him it's like you're hanging out with Ernest, and then at some point you found out that he used to be this evil mad scientist, mad scientist yeah. the hand growing out of his head and he's the one that destroyed the economy but you're like but i love you now yeah i got you and he's it's a very classic kind of story like the dark past sure how dark a secret is that i used to be an evil mad scientist and then i got stuck in this in this body because I used a changing coffin. Yeah, we've all done things we're not proud of. I mean, that's pretty cool. And I think that can be add Ernest. I was going to say, or you could take it a step further and maybe once he gets stuck as Ernest. He has the hand removed. He has the hand removed <laughs> and then builds Woody to remove the, <laughs> the remaining evil, evil uh, negativity. And that's why Woody in Haven, it's Ernest, is such a jerk. Right. What we still can't explain is why Ernest and Dr. Otto are two separate people in Haven, it's Ernest. <sighs> Yeah, okay. That's we got to make this work, man. We can do it. Come on. I, I, I have a theory. Okay. okay. So in Hey Vern, it's Ernest, we see that Ernest's thoughts are some sort of bizarre <laughs> window into reality. I love this. Okay. So what if Dr. Otto in Hey Vern, it's Ernest... It's just a projection. It's just a projection Ernest from Ernest's mind. Okay. And it's like he's still a character in there. He's still in there, but he has no control over like the body or the. He's just sort of like <laughs> living in there, and he he only comes out sporadically. Although he does interact with Ernest again. Yeah, maybe it's just like maybe it's just like talking to himself. Well, there's the other theory, which is that Otto can create clones. Oh yes. That are distinct from himself, which we know because in the the end fight scene, he presses of Dr. that Otto, button. He presses a button. We rewatched. We know that now he presses a button to make this happen. And then independent of Otto doing anything, all the characters that he was come out and attack Lance. The, the lead up to the final boss the final battle. final boss battle. Yep. So. They're going to make me their love it slave. It can be a cloning machine as well. So right. maybe, you know what? Here's the thing. We've always seen the Ernest. This. 
earnest to us, the earnest world, the earnest P world to yep. us has always been a multiverse. Yeah. There is nothing I think about Ernest that will apply in every single universe. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Or in terms of his backstory. Absolutely. There is nothing that will apply to every single Ernest. Being Otto applies to some, but it doesn't apply to all of them. Yep. It doesn't matter where Ernest comes from because Ernest's pure heart and soul, it is still Ernest no matter how you slice it. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. So the point is, I love Ernest. <laughs> thesis. <laughs> yeah. Thesis. Yeah, I, I got nowhere to go from there. That's pretty well said. So what else was the last thing? We kind of noticed something about the riddle, right? Oh, yeah. It yes. was the last line. Right before Otto is going to tell the riddle to the world, he starts saying, like, this riddle could save the entire world. And then he says, nah, it's a lie anyway. Right. So they and were then... like, which part of the riddle was a lie? Yeah. Now, the last thing he says is, to stop this trick, I think, exchange the poles of old Saint Nick. That's right. the part I think is a lie. He's saying that that will save the world. I don't think it will. Well, and he literally says afterwards, if that doesn't do to save the day, <laughs> yeah. put in another quarter and try another play. So Essentially, you'll be work. stuck in this loop forever, which is what happens in the movie. Mm -hmm. I also like the idea that not only putting in a quarter to try another play leads into the idea of the boss battle and the very video gamey qualities of this film. Heck yeah. But it's also physical money. Put another quarter in and yeah, try just like, again. Yeah, just like, try to restart your yeah, economy. Yeah, exactly. Just, just, <laughs> Throw, throw, throw some throw money more at money it. at it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Whatever. Uh, you know what I find interesting, Dave? What's that? This will lead into our next episode. Oh yeah. When they're talking about the riddle, Dora says maybe Doctor Otto doesn't want to be found, and then Lance says, "What good would it do to have a riddle that no one can solve?" Which is a great lead into our next episode, where we talk about the Ernest P. Worrell. Win $10,000 challenge. The face that Erin is making, I'm sure you can hear it a little bit, listeners, but she is... Uh, I'm going to lose my mind. She is not super thrilled about this. I've been trying, It babe. is a sinister riddle. And I can't I can't count them all. Well, I mean... I can't count them that's all. Maybe, that's maybe... That's all we should say about all. the Ernest P. Worrell I Win $10,000 challenge. Next uh, time. Uh, yeah, until next time, listeners. On Ernest Goes to Podcast. <laughs> I can't count them all. We'll babe. get there. See you next time. Take care, listeners. Be